You're listening to Heart Food Podcast, episode 72. Welcome to Heart Food Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pardo, nutritional therapy practitioner and private chef. This is a show that tells you the truth about food, nutrition, movement, mental health, mindfulness, and body image, all with a hefty dose of real talk. This show will inspire you, change your mindset, and help you feel more confident and comfortable in your own skin inside and out. To find the show notes for each episode and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, visit ashleypardo.com. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Ashley K. Pardo. Find me on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Ashley Pardo. If you have a question to be answered on this podcast, please email it to heartfoodpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Hey friends, I'm so excited to be talking to you this week. And especially for this episode, uh, this is going to be a pretty vulnerable episode because, I mean, all of you know that listen to this podcast that the two facets of what I do are both nutrition focused, not only the practical aspects of nutrition and the mental aspects of nutrition and the mindset, and then the other facet is business. But when I talk about nutrition and I talk about all of the things and the tools that help us feel better and eat better. It's really about, and business encompasses this too, feeling comfortable in your skin and growing and doing things that you didn't think were possible and feeling alive in your body and in your life so that you can live your purpose out with energy and with a clear mind and so that you can gain confidence and believe in yourself. That's really what all of this is about. I can tell you about protein. I can tell you about like the way that, you know, exercise works in our bodies, the things that we, you know, the exercises that are most beneficial to our, you know, muscle mass and growing that and walking and hormones and all of those things. But if we don't have the mindset nailed down, we can learn all of these different things and they can mean nothing because they won't last, they won't stick, they won't necessarily be intrinsic. And I have done an entire episode on mindset that I will link in the show notes. Um, but here I want to talk about the real work that needs to happen in order to get to a place where you don't struggle with food anymore. Um, this can be <clears throat> talking about, you know, people who maybe struggle with overeating and emotional eating and basically using food in a way that is not beneficial to them. I mean, we all need to eat. We all need to get sustenance and nourish ourselves. But when we start having behaviors with food that can range from, you know, happening every single day to multiple times a day to once a month, any sort of behavior that's happening that doesn't feel good to you after you do it, I would call, I don't want to say problematic, but, you know, it's something that perhaps doesn't work for you and that you want to have better coping mechanisms for that. And what really differentiates, you know, 
eating behavior episodes that are not beneficial to you versus a full-on eating disorder is the frequency. That's something that I learned from my friend, Tarina Lopez. I will also put her, put her episode in the show notes. We talk all about eating disorders in that one. Um, so I don't want this episode to be like a cure for eating disorders if you are in the middle of that. I, I'm not a doctor, uh, so I really suggest that you get professional help if you are in that mind frame and that cycle. I have been there, and I'm a rare case because I never went to treatment for my eating disorder. All the healing that happened for me was really reading and getting into Janine Roth's work, specifically the work or the book Woman, Food, and God, and all of her books, but really realizing that and then just doing my own work and my own healing. But it took me years. It took me a really long time. And I talk to women every single week who go through this. And when I tell them the answer of what healed me, they don't like it. (laughs) And I get it because I think oftentimes when we want to heal our relationship with food, we want something easy. We want something, we want someone to tell us like, like, oh, either you pay all this money and you hire somebody and that can totally help you. Uh, if you are struggling with food, I do offer those coaching services and um, that can be extremely beneficial for you. But the thing is that work needs to happen on your part uh, big time, like big, deep, internal messy, ugly, sometimes work needs to take place in order for you to heal. And when I tell women, like, you know, when they ask me, Ashley, what is the thing that helped you? Like, if it was just one thing, what would it be? And it is so multifaceted and nuanced, but I do really believe that we can get to a place where we're fully healed. And I consider myself you know, to be in that place right now for many years, which I never thought I would get to. And, um, you know, people want like a one sentence answer. And when I tell them that it was becoming aware and seeing the reasons why I wanted to eat when I was not hungry or when I wanted to control food or not eat food or obsess about my body for years on end, um, It sounds too simple to them sometimes, but I really do believe that that's where the answer is in constant awareness, constant mindfulness, being aware of yourself, knowing yourself, knowing what works for you, setting boundaries. It's all of these different things, but I wanted to record an episode about what it really takes, maybe some steps that you can take today to just become aware of your relationship with food so you can get onto your path to healing. I'm also going to discuss some of the common things that come up for people sometimes when they are told to, when maybe someone suggests to them what they should do. So I'm going to talk about those things as well. Um, So I'm going to be talking about spirituality in this episode. I am not religious at all, but I am very spiritual and I'm very connected to myself and to the world around me, to the earth, to the solar system and the galaxies. Like, I just feel like I am all one with everything out there and with all of you. And I really do think that and believe that. And I do think that that is 
the key to true healing is having some sort of spiritual practice and practicing some sort of spiritual health uh, in conjunction with emotional health, physical health, mental health. Uh, spiritual health is very important. And what I think of that is just having something outside of yourself and both inside of yourself that is infinite. So your life force inside of you is infinite and beautiful. And it is something that doesn't really contain your body, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know if that makes sense to you guys, but our physical bodies are just like the way that our souls are here and having a spiritual practice or at least a spiritual compass to know that if you look out there that there is something greater out there of a life force that is guiding you and um looking out for you even for the bad stuff sometimes we go through bad things so we can grow and and we can struggle and and those things are okay and i always say that you know I, some people like i have some friends who are more cynical than i am and Sometimes when I give them answers, like I'm spiritual, but I'm, I don't spiritually bypass. I'm, I'm real. And I know that shit can be really hard sometimes and that it feels that way. And that's just like part of your story and, and everybody's stories and life cycles and balance and all of that. But sometimes when I say things to my friends that are a little bit cynical, they say like, you're just being like freaking delusional. <laughs> like you are not like, they just always want to go towards the negativity and like worst case scenario. And I just can't go there. Like I, I can, and I can picture it in my head. But the thing is that if I don't believe that things are working out in my favor, always I suffer and I don't want to suffer. I'd rather be positive and maintain a good outlook and I just don't feel like feeling shitty about myself and getting into that negative hole. So I don't care what it is. I don't care if it sounds delusional or whatever. And again, this is not spiritual bypass. If something happens to me that is hard, uh, I feel that. I lean into it. It's not like rosy and rainbows 24-7. But it is something that I know will work out in my favor later. So I'm always just keeping that mindset. And again, it's just something that eases my suffering and who doesn't want that? So that's why I'm spiritual and that's why I maintain my spiritual health at a high capacity and I always sort of have it in mind. But that really was the thing that changed for me. So before I dive into all of that, I wanted to just let you guys know sort of what's going on right now. Um, It has been sort of a whirlwind six weeks or so since... We got married and having the wedding, obviously, we went to Oregon for our mini moon, which was amazing. I love Oregon, specifically Portland, and um, I just can't wait for our future, and I'm just so excited. And at the same time, I sort of put a pause on my work, and that was very difficult for me, and I didn't think that I was going to put a pause on it. But I realized that it is okay to do that sometimes. I only get married once and I just wanted to be as present as possible and really soak in the good feelings that I had from that. And it feels great and everything's going awesome. But 
Soon, I'm going to be launching Prep Like a Pro 2.0 along with Intuitive Cooking School 2.0. So I want you guys to be on the lookout for that in the next couple weeks. You can also get Nutritional Therapy Association continuing education credits. So if you are a nutritional therapist or a nutritional therapy consultant, an NTC, you can get six CEUs if you take my course. Um, so just reach out to me or follow me on Instagram and be on the lookout for that or get on my um, newsletter list, which you can do in the show notes. You can also do it on my website, ashleypardo.com. But that's what's happening now. Um, the mastermind is also still open. I haven't really talked about that in a while. Um, I have a couple ladies in there right now who I love. I have several signing up this summer, but I wanted to let you know that that is open kind of always as long along with my nutrition coaching. These are things that I'm going to be talking about a lot more that I'm ready to really dive into. I have created a framework and a structure to help women through their nutrition and get to their goals and build muscle and all of that good stuff. And within the next six months, I am going to be offering exercise programming, probably through a continuity group. So that's a lot. <laughs> Just keep... Um, Keep yourself on the lookout if you're interested in any of those things. I just kind of wanted to let you guys know what was going on since I've taken sort of an extended break from that. Still, of course, coaching the clients that I have and taking care of them um, on the inside of my business. But in terms of promo and offering stuff, I've taken a little bit of a pause and I'm glad that I did. Um, before I get into the spirituality stuff, I wanted to read you something from a book by Richard Rohr. Uh, the book is called Breathing Underwater, Spirituality and the 12 Steps, referring to the uh, the 12 Steps of like Alcoholics Anonymous, which is sort of a spiritual framework. Um, I do not, uh, OA, which is Overeaters Anonymous, does not work for me. Um, I tried that. I'm going to be talking about that a little bit in this episode. Um, so the 12 Steps, while I have no... Um, experience in Alcoholics Anonymous or any of that besides OA, Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I can't really speak on that because I've never um, been through it or been to a meeting or anything like that. Uh, but I do think that Richard Rohr is, I think there's value that can be found in the 12 steps from a spiritual perspective. And I think that Richard Rohr is just such an incredible resource when it comes to spirituality that is very down to earth and practical and approachable. And he's just real and he explains things in a way that he's a friar, he's a friar Richard Rohr. Uh, he explains things in a way that are just really simple and that I really relate to. And he just feels like a breath of fresh air with everything that I read. Um, I will link a couple of his books in the show notes. So this one in particular, I like called breathing underwater, but he has a passage in here that I thought was really helpful. And I'm going to start this portion of the episode by reading it. So the work of spirituality is the ongoing liberation of head, heart, and body towards full luminous seeing and living and not a mere mental quote unquote decision for Jesus or the one-time insurance policy of sacraments received. Most head churches do not touch the heart. Most heart churches do not bother with the head. And almost all of them ignore the body as if no account. As if, as if of no account. 
Further, the head churches are usually not con- contemplative. The heart churches have little discrimination or training in the more subtle emotions whereby we see truthfully, and the body pa- and the body people have either left the church or, even worse, stay in the pew but do not take it seriously as anything real, urgent, or wonderful. If we are co- if we are to come to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity then we will come to the belief by developing the capacity for a simple, clear, and uncluttered presence. Side note, that's what it's about. Those who can be present with head, heart, and body at the same time will always encounter the presence, whether they call it God or not. For the most part, those skills are learned by letting life come at us on its own terms and not resisting the wonderful underlying capital mystery that is everywhere all the time and offered to us too. Quote, God comes to us disguised as our life, end quote. A spiritual writer and retreat leader, Paula Darcy, so beautifully puts in her talks and retreats. All we can do is keep out of the way, note, and weep over our defensive behaviors, keep our various centers from closing down, and the presence that is surely the highest power is then obvious, all-embracing, and immediately effective. The immediate embrace is from God's side. The ineffectiveness is whatever time it takes for us to, quote, come to believe, end quote, which is the slow and gradual healing and reconnecting of head, heart, and body so they can operate as one. Both movements, both movements are crucial. The healing of ourselves and the healing of our always limited and even toxic image of God. This of itself will often reconnect all three parts of our humanity into a marvelous receiving station. A true God experience really does save us because it is always better than we thought we could expect or earn. Let's end with a blessing from St. Paul who recognized these three parts of the human person in his very first letter. May the God of peace make you whole and holy. May you be kept safe in body, heart, and mind, and thus ready for the presence. God has called you and will not fail you. So, it ended with a Bible verse. Um, and like I said, I'm not religious, but I find value in those things. And I think that even the Bible can be interpreted in a way that is very um, insightful and can give a lot of great lessons. Another book I really love when it comes to spirituality, which is like super long and will take you years to get through. I started it in 2012 and I have not gotten through. That's The Course in Miracles, which I love. Um but when I talk about spirituality, it's integration of your body, your mind, and your heart. And having those three work together in a way that works for you and in a way that your actions are beneficial to yourself. And when we struggle with food, that's not what happens. We use food to disconnect from our heads, from our hearts, and from our bodies. So that's why when we come to integrate these things, we see that we are one and that our food struggles sort of fall away instead of us trying so hard, which is what many of us do. It's like, we put pressure on ourselves to do certain things and like we're mean to ourselves and we berate ourselves like, God, I can't believe you did this again. I can't believe you binged. I can't believe you overate. I can't believe you starved yourself and then binged. Like 
I can't believe you're obsessing about your body. You're the worst. Like you're a monster. All of these things that we say to ourselves that are horrible. If you struggle with food, like hands down, you've been mean to yourself at some point. I know I have. And just thinking about that is making me emotional because I do not live in that place anymore. And it is very, um, it is very almost sad to me that I lived in that place for so long. And if you're there right now, um, you know, know that there is a way out and there is a very possible way for you to not feel that way ever again. But know that it comes from getting to know yourself and getting to know your body and your mind and your spirit and integrating all of them together. Some helpful tools that you can do for that is developing some sort of movement practice to get into your body. So whether that's yoga or lifting weights or something like many of us are just dissociated from our bodies completely. And even sitting down and, you know, maybe touching your arm and touching your leg, touching your foot, like literally getting accustomed to the way that your body feels to you, to how things, foods feel in your body, taking just maybe 30 seconds a day to just close your eyes and sit and notice how your body feels. Like start there. If you feel like, you know, just say the truth about your body at that moment. If you're bloated, you can say, I feel bloated right now. If you say, you know, I'm hungry, you can say, I'm hungry right now. And getting in touch with our bodies is the way that we can tell if we are hungry or full. And that is a step to healing too. Another thing you can do is get your thoughts onto paper. So that could be journaling. That could be... um you know, writing in a diary, which is journaling. But I encourage you to do that first thing in the morning, just do a brain dump and to see your thoughts. Because sometimes we are so up in our heads about what these things mean and what we feel and like the beliefs that are happening and the stories that are happening that we can't make sense of it. But if we put it out onto paper and literally release that energy from our minds We can see what's happening and we can come to a place where we can see it and we're like, okay, this is what's happening now. What can I do about it? I suggest working with a coach or a trained professional, somebody that can help you through this process. Um, The last thing would be to be kind to yourself. I really think that that's what it comes down to is being kind because many of the behaviors that we do with food are mean and they're unkind. And it's like, we're pissed at ourselves. So now we're going to damage ourselves and self-sabotage ourselves. And the reason that we do that is because we might've been accustomed to, let's say we've had some sort of trauma where somebody has treated us very poorly, whether that is a parent or a sibling or somebody in an intimate relationship or another family member or a friend. If we grew up that way, that's sort of what we're used to in our habits and we have sort of a habitual expectation that we should be treated poorly. So then we go on to do the same thing to ourselves because that is what we are accustomed to. And sometimes we will fight tooth and nail to both treat ourselves in the same way with our habits and then to also have the same thinking patterns because those feel more comfortable than nice things and nice thoughts and kind kindness to our body. So that's something to keep in mind too. I also have a blog post about kindness and how that is the ultimate thing that we can do. 
But if we focus on that, on getting present with our bodies, journaling, and doing these things consistently, I'm sure that you've heard those things before. I'm sure that somebody has talked to you about that. But doing these things consistently and showing up for yourself will let you know that you are worthy and that you are somebody who is worth fighting for. Because sometimes we do have to fight in order to heal. Something that I also wanted to talk about too was my experience in Overeaters Anonymous because I had gone to my first therapist who I loved in my early 20s and she was very helpful for me and that was when I was going through my relapse of bulimia. So I was bulimic when I was a teenager and I kind of went through a relapse in my early uh, to mid 20s and I was seeing a therapist at this time and she sort of helped me with some issues that I was having with my parents. And she also told me like, hey, you should talk to my friend who goes to Overeaters Anonymous. This was in Miami. And I called her friend. She gave me her number and she said that Overeaters Anonymous had really helped her a lot, that she never wants to eat sugar again, that grapes are good. And for some reason, it just... Like grapes were enough for her to satisfy that sugar craving. And for some reason, it just didn't feel 100% to me. Like it just didn't feel aligned. So I just sort of let it go. Then when I went to grad school, I had had my last relapse of my bulimia in grad school when I was about 26 or 25, 25 to 27, Um, probably about 25 or 26. And I was dating somebody at the time who I was honest about, you know, what was going on with me with. And he's like, you know, and I had sort of started to read The Course in Miracles. I had gone to a a religious retreat and generally was just having really low self-worth, really low feelings of what I deserved in my life and just general shitty feelings. I remember being at that retreat and saying my goal and it was just like to like myself, even though I had done all these things and accomplished a lot. It's like... I just wanted to recognize myself as a worthy person, which I had not done. And I still have my moments of that sometimes. Like I think we all do with that voice in our heads. But um, he encouraged me to go to Overeaters Anonymous in Boston. So I went to a meeting at Harvard. Um, It wasn't like with Harvard students or whatever, but it was held in a church in Harvard. So I went there. And I went to one meeting and I never went back and I will never go back again. It's not that I had a terrible experience because I didn't. I appreciated the honesty of the people that were there telling their stories. But what I saw, and if you've been to OA and you've had a good experience and that's the way that you have healed, like that's great. I'm just talking about what I have, what I went through and the feeling that I got in that meeting. So when I went, I just realized that Everyone in that meeting, there was probably maybe 15 people there and sponsors, people that would go, you know, and had different ranges of intensity of, you know, having a disordered relationship with food. But people went from an obsession with food and an obsession with like overeating or an addiction to food, quote unquote, to then being obsessed with following what's called the gray sheet. And the gray sheet is the quote-unquote plan that people in OA use to stay abstinent. And they don't eat white flour or sugar or anything processed. It's pretty much like a really restrictive paleo diet with like no room for anything. It's like protein and vegetables. 
and no room for anything ever. And the people in the room talked about, were obsessed with talking about how, what their family members had done to them this week and how this person's mom did not allow them to eat from the gray sheet and how they were at restaurants and still weighing and measuring their food. And I just saw still an obsession and still an extreme when it came to food. And that just really turned me off. I was talking about the fact that like I wanted to eat a cupcake and people were like, well, you're not ready yet to like fully heal. (laughs) And that just really rubbed me the wrong way because although those foods don't make me feel awesome at all, um, I want to be able to eat them sometimes. I want to be able to eat sugar, even if it doesn't make me feel good. Because avoiding it and saying to myself, you can never have this again, is problematic for me. Um, The other option, which I find more beneficial, is just to take it on a moment-to-moment basis, knowing and having the awareness that certain things might not make me feel great. But... um, I will still eat them from time to time, depending on the severity of which the severity in which they make me feel like crap. So things like gluten, I never eat because like I'm incapacitated for five days, not worth it. Things like sugar and ice cream might not make me feel awesome, but I do get pleasure from eating them and avoiding these things, avoiding these certain foods forever and following this gray sheet of eating four ounces of this and one cup of vegetables and one teaspoon of fat and starches, like a limited number of starches, um, something guiding you, uh, which I can think be beneficial sometimes for some people, but maybe not to this extreme. I just found it way too extreme. And the degree to which the people in the meeting had to rearrange their lives in order to make this happen just seemed way too obsessive to me. And That's why OA didn't help me. And I don't necessarily believe in food addiction, um, which is what OA sort of says, that you can never eat these foods again because um, of their properties. And I do agree that like certain hyperpalatable foods are hard to stop eating. Uh, That's just like a physiological response that happens in our brains. Um, I don't think it's as intense as like cocaine, even though people say that there's studies around it, I think that that gives it way too much power. But I think having the awareness that like, okay, if I have this cake, I'm going to just want to eat more. And when that feeling comes of me wanting to eat more, knowing that, you know, I have to stop myself versus succumbing to that and succumbing to the feelings of me wanting to, you know, me desiring the food, knowing that if I eat past fullness, I'm just going to feel like crap. That just didn't feel The way that it was described in the meetings just didn't feel good to me, but I do agree with hyperpalatable foods being a thing. I do think that we need to assert more mindfulness around certain things. Like it's easier to eat, you know, five pieces of cake than it is to eat five apples because apples are a real food. So there's no food fear that I'm talking about here, which is what I saw in OA. I don't really believe in food fear, but I do believe in saying the truth about foods. So that's another episode that I'll do later. Um, But for that reason, that was not beneficial to me and I never went back. And what has really made the difference is just staying on my journey, staying committed to showing up and doing my practices 
and doing all of these things. And as I talk to you today, the day before this podcast comes out, I am not feeling awesome. I haven't really been sleeping with the time change and I was in the West Coast for a week, so I wasn't sleeping that well. Uh, We were on our mini moon, so I definitely was eating things uh, that do not make me feel my best. I took a whole week off of strength training still walking and maybe doing a little bit of stuff, but definitely not to the degree to which I usually do it. And just taking a break from things that I normally do. And I found myself going to bed and just wanting to eat more of the sugary things that I was eating, like these um, cupcakes that we got from this amazing gluten-free bakery called Kyra's Bake Shop in Lake Oswego, Oregon. I got a cinnamon roll from there. Like I found myself getting obsessed with the cupcake and like, I just want a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And I had to stop myself, come mindfulness, come presence, because no matter all the work we do, we are still human. We are still going to feel these things. And I had to just tell myself like, this food is hyper palatable. It's so delicious. You will want to eat more, but I just found myself like fiending for it. And I never ate past fullness um, because I know that makes me feel terrible. Uh, which if you do that, like forgive yourself for doing it. It's it's fine. It, it might happen sometimes. Um, but the thing that I found is that I really don't feel well right now. Eating this extra sugar, you know, not doing my normal training regimen, not sleeping, not taking care of myself as as well as I normally do. And that has made a big impact on me. And I've, all of the solutions that I wanted on the trip of me just being in that hot space involved food, like, oh, maybe I'll just eat more sugar, or maybe I'll just scroll on my phone, or maybe I will have some gummy bears, or all these solutions that my brain automatically went to do, do not work for me. And the thing that works in all of these situations that are infinite, because many things that quote unquote work for us, like shopping or eating more, drinking more, or any of these things, like sometimes you just want more and more and more and more and more of these things because there are never enough to satisfy the need. And when we are eating in a way that doesn't work for us, we or having a behavior or trying to control, we are obsessing about something and we are trying to fill a certain void. Sometimes it can be physiological, like for me it was this case, like eating all this sugar or scrolling social media, like literally just never getting enough with any of the solutions and never feeling satisfied with anything. The only thing that can really satisfy us is having that internal locus of control of taking care of ourselves and looking to something else and having an internal reservoir of love. And I know that this might sound cheesy or weird, but you guys, this is really the truth. This is how we heal. This is how we get better and we feel better by really building step-by-step, brick-by-brick, this internal source of love and compassion and peace for ourselves and tapping into that whenever we feel that like itchy, addicty need. So I hope that makes sense. Um... This episode was pretty vulnerable, and I hope you guys got something out of it. These are topics that I'm going to be expanding on more, talking about food addiction, talking about maybe more OA, uh, and the premise of that, and maybe why some people still feel stuck, 
if they're in OA, which I totally understand why. And again, if it works for you, that's amazing. Um, everybody is different, but what I talked about in this episode is really what is needed to make these sustainable changes for your life. Um, if you have any questions or if you're struggling with food right now, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. You can always DM me on Instagram. Um, I love chatting with you guys. I love hearing from you. And because this is something that I went through for so long and literally decades of my life, um, I'm passionate about helping you get out of this struggle. And if you have any other struggles that you want me to talk through or whatever, don't hesitate to reach out and let me know if you have anything else that you want me to cover. I love you guys. And I hope that you have a wonderful morning or evening or day, wherever you are, and can't wait to talk to you again next week. Thank you so much for listening to Heart Food Podcast. To find the show notes for this episode, visit ashleypardo.com. Follow Ashley on social media at Ashley K. Pardo. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your family and friends. And give us some love by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes.